Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I don't know about you guys, but I'm actually kind of blown away that we're almost a month into the NBA season now. It's the start of week five, November the 14th. Pretty, pretty crazy. I mean, I guess technically it's it'll be four weeks uh, like at the end of today, but that's that's like almost a month. <laughs> it's close. It goes fast. That's the thing. The offseason doesn't go fast. The offseason goes slow. We have a lot of things to cover, these broad swath ideas to discuss, but it doesn't go fast. You certainly can't say that about it. The in-season goes fast because you're just in it. You're watching every game, the games you can't watch. You try to check the box like every four or five minutes just to see who's in, who's out. And that's pretty much what our Monday shows are. We got a weekend review, reverse chronological lightning Monday coming up here, end of weekend four. Hope you guys all came away with victory in your head-to-head battles. Hope everything's going great for your teams on the Roto side. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. I am Dan Bespris, at Dan Bespris on Twitter. You guys know that by now. I will start this Monday show by saying, look, if you guys are relatively new listeners, and I know there are at least a handful of you out there that are newer to the program, please drop a five-star review on it. It means the world to me. It's been a nice little chunk that rolled in here at the start of the season, and it just makes me want more. <laughs> oh, well. I'm silly, but I'm also kind of serious. It's a really big deal. It helps us move up the charts. That's how more folks find the podcast. We can kind of stay near the top of the board or get near the top of the board. We rumble along. Let's just start it. What do you say? Uh, by the way, you can spell my name. It's D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. But let's start on Sunday. We'll work our way backwards through the weekend. Every team's most recent basketball game and where they all sit heading into this week, which, my goodness, people, can we talk about how many super streams there are available right now? And it's this rotating list where, and I don't know if, if this is going to be something that sticks in the NBA, but a lot of teams, because of this positional fluidity that became popular five-ish, four or five years ago, where everybody just wants a crap ton of wings, guys that can play everything between shooting guard and power forward, and you kind of leave the polar extremes to like one or two roster spots on your team. Because of that, a lot of teams have this if-anyone-is-hurt phenomenon, one guy wins. It's not every team. Some of the teams, we, we're all, we are still seeing this kind of one-to-one thing. But with the amount of games that are missed these days, you know, I, if we assume last year carries over to this season, I don't know if it will. I mean, I, I expect COVID will be a slightly smaller part of the equation this year. But it's still going to be there. And then injuries are big, and everybody's being super safe with their players. So there's a lot of rest days built in. If it's like last season, where the average number of games missed is about 14 for the fantasy-relevant player. That's a ton. I mean, that's like, for every team, you're talking about like probably half a season where there might be one guy who super streams his way to value. The term super stream, by the way, I try to use that to apply basically to someone who sees their value jump considerably due to circumstance, meaning someone out that was in front of them in the pecking order. And what we're seeing now, and I don't even remember this being quite the case last year, outside of the big winter COVID surge when we were just like streaming 
everybody, is that it seems like there's always two or three really good ones. Every day, there's two or three really good ones. And I'm talking ones not just head-to-head. Like, you find streaming in head-to-head is very much about you want three games and four nights, back-to-backs, you know, four and five. If you can find it, not as often. Five and seven does still happen. Spurs have a five-game week, for instance. But even on the Roto side, guys see this big jump from being like a top 130 player and then, pow, they get an extra like 14 minutes because one dude is out, any dude is out, and now they're a top 75 play. And if these guys are just rotating on the wire right now, there's kind of no reason to sit on players anymore. It's removed the necessity to do so. Because you can just find someone better chilling on the wire. But let's start going through some of the games from over the weekend. We can point out a few of these things as we go. Oklahoma City and New York. Those guys, holy smokes, is that a high-scoring game. 280 in a regulation ball game. Shea was brilliant again. I mean, at this point, he might just be the number one player in fantasy basketball. I think people are probably starting to believe this is going to be it. Now, there's still a lot of stuff with him where you're like, I don't know. By the way, Steph technically is slightly in front of him, but like, 3.6 3.6 defensive stats, 54% from the field. He's not shooting the three ball, so, like, maybe? But ultra high volume, 93.5% at the free throw line. There's some stuff there that should come back down to earth a little bit on Shea, but damn. I mean, you can pretty much get a first rounder for him now, I think. One month, don't you feel like people probably bought in? In any event, uh, Josh Giddy triple doubled, kind of his first. Truly good game of the year. Lou Dort was better, but I don't care. Jeremiah Robinson Earl was better, but I don't care. Uh, the player that everybody added last week, myself included, Alexei Pokashevsky, only got 18 minutes in this ball game. He was actually relatively decent in them, but this is the fear with the Thunder. The roulette wheel spins and spins, and every once in a while, it just doesn't land on the right guy. Poku's a hold for me. If you're going to like cut it right down to what am I going to do with this dude, he's a hold because it does seem like they want to get him more minutes, and in this one, you know, just get cooked a little bit, and, and out you go. On the Knicks side, they went to the bench unit a little bit more. Uh, starters were getting smoked, so, like, Cam Radish had a big game. Don't care. Manuel Quickly had a big game. Don't care. Isaiah Hartenstein started again, finally, had an okay ball game, but he was part of those units that were getting blasted. Uh, you're obviously holding there. Washington beat Memphis 102-92. Memphis was without John Morant and Desmond Bain. They're obviously still without JJJ, so Santi Aldama had his first good game in a while. He's a guy whose time is limited. Tyus Jones, super stream, that was an easy one to call. John Conchar is the other stream. He's the Desmond Bain uh, selection, and he's a little bit more of a non-standard. Like, 36 minutes for him is sometimes enough, but not guaranteed for 12-teamers. So depending on how this thing shakes out, you probably... You know, 14-teamers and deeper, you go that route. But Tyus Jones is an obvious one anytime John misses the game. And it's going to happen again at some point this year. So just be ready. Christos Porzingis, he's uh, bounced back a couple of slow ball games and now a couple of good ones again. So he's back into the second round on a per-game basis. He's only missed one game so far this year, as I knock on wood mid-podcast. So, like, the fact that he's played 14 games, that's one of the highest numbers in the NBA right now. Every week we make it through a week where KP only misses one game or zero. Uh, He just gets closer and closer to, like, a guaranteed win. Jordan Goodwin, another good ball game. Um, Bradley Beal's going to be back probably for their next one. I don't think you can comfortably start Goodwin, Kispert, or Avdia 
or Monty Morris, frankly, uh, until you see what this team looks like again with Beal back in. Now, it's possible that the positional dynamics have changed a little bit, that Goodwin maybe has jumped over somebody, but he still wasn't starting, so presumably Kispert goes to the bench. He slides kind of into that that role, and then I don't know what role Goodwin picks from there, but you know, let's say he jumps over someone like a Will Barton, then maybe he does move back into fantasy value, but I don't think that you need to have him while you see what's going on with Bradley Beal. I don't, I, like, I just, I, you know, I think he's going to get dropped, might get re-added, whatever. So it goes. Minnesota beat Cleveland. That's a much-needed win for the Wolves. There's been a lot of what's-our-identity stuff swirling around that team. Anthony Edwards just hasn't at all looked like himself so far this year. He had a couple of good games, but overall... It's been rough, and a lot of it's the, the free-throw shooting, which you know he's turned himself into like a punt-foul shooter. This one, he didn't get to the foul line, but he also didn't do anything else. Go figure. I had him pegged as going way too early in drafts. You guys that listen to the pod know that and, and likely followed that advice, but if you somehow ended up stuck with him, you, you got to ride it out. And if you didn't, I think you can probably value him at more like a top 50 type of guy this year. And there's a chance that the yips keep him from even getting to that point. Otherwise, I mean, look, he's a starter on that team, so he's still going. Uh, I had a bunch of Jaden McDaniels questions leading up to a few good games he had in a row. He's still number 89. So, yeah, I mean, here's the thing about guys that are ranked in your 90. They're not going to be good every ball game. They're not going to have a top 90 line every single night. There's going to be like two games where they're top 50 and a couple games where they're top 200. It's all over the map. They're inconsistent. That's how they end up in the 90s. If you're super consistent, you're a top 40 player or better. Simple as that. Oh, hi, Darius Garland. 51 points in a losing effort. I'd say that pushed him back up the board a little bit, didn't it? He's gotten off to a slow start this year. He's number 85 after that big ball game, but the free throw shooting's been kind of weirdly bad. Uh, turnovers are high, but that's kind of to be expected. The field goal percent is also brutally low. Things are going to level off for him. Uh, I mean, if you can get him for a 50 range guy, I would do it. He's another guy that I thought was going a little too soon. And then there was the trade. And then I thought maybe he was going a little bit too late. And it was hard to tell where that one all ended up. Uh, no Jared Allen in this one and no Donovan Mitchell. So Karis Levert was a little bit better. Kevin Love's been a 12 team guy all season now and getting a start that just you know sort of made it easier he's he's sitting right around the edge of the top 100 that's startable crazy though it may seem philly beat utah behind 59 from joel Embiid, 11 rebounds eight assists a steal and seven blocks that is an insane basketball game oh but from a fantasy standpoint doesn't really matter to us because we knew he was going to be good this year at some point it was just a matter of when the stuff we're looking at is what's going on around Joel. And DeAnthony Melton moved back to the bench in this ballgame in favor of Matisse Thibel. And Melton's bench unit got destroyed by Utah's bench. So if you're looking at it like, why did he only play 20 minutes? Uh, that's why. He very quickly had a bunch of stats. Like he had a couple of made buckets and, a, and an assist in like his first two and a half minutes in the ballgame. And then... Again, his unit just got decimated, so you're hanging on there. I know that everybody on Twitter is going to call me an idiot, and that's fine. I don't really mind. Uh, but, like, we know enough about DeAnthony Melton to know that on this particular roster, whatever he's doing here, 22, 20 to 4 minutes, whatever, that's enough for him. 20 isn't, 
But I don't. This has not been the norm. This has kind of been the outlier in terms of minutes played. He's been in a very inefficient run. I think he was probably pressing a bit with Harden out, trying to do too much. I think that's why they slid him into the bench unit. They, hey, look, like you be a part of running this thing, but they got to be better next time. And do you pick up Matisse Thybul? Probably not. He took two shots in 28 minutes. Yes, he had six defensive stats. Okay, if he could do that every night, maybe you consider it. But like he's going to set records for lowest usage on on the planet along with his teammate, P.J. Tucker, who took no shots in 30 minutes. That's actually kind of amazing. Well done, P.J. You get a special award for that. I don't know what it is. On the Utah side, Colin Sexton was on his way to a decent ballgame and then promptly went one for five at the free throw line. Larry Markinen was on his way to a really nice ballgame, and he went one for four at the foul line. And if they make their foul shots, I don't know if they win this ballgame, but they sure as heck are right there, maybe forcing overtime. Uh, you know, Sexton's an 80%er. Markkinen's been better than that this year. Like, they basically left six points or more on the table, those two on unguarded standing still shots. So that's unfortunate for Utah. But you know what? They can't win every ballgame. Uh, Kelly Olynyk was fine. Jordan Clarkson was fine. Missed a bunch of shots. Jared Vanderbilt nearly double-doubled. People are hating him lately for some reason. But to me, it's kind of the same story as a Jaden McDaniels, where these guys are just not going to be good every single ball game. I do think Vanderbilt can be better than this, though. 24 minutes, really tough assignments throughout this ball game. He and Kelly Olynyk having to deal with some iteration of Joel Embiid. Like, the fact that those guys survived this game fantasy-wise, I think is a good sign. Conley couldn't shoot. That's okay. He'll be all right. He's going to bounce back and forth between like 65 and 100 over the course of the year based on whether his shot's falling. But look, 11 points, 8 assists. Free throws are weirdly low. That'll come up for him. Not worried at all on that front. Uh, and then Malik Beasley. Uh, he had 18 points in this one. He's been making his, his three-pointers lately. Um, but the run he's on is relatively unsustainable because he's shooting around 50% with a ton of three-pointers. This is a guy who's going to probably shoot low 40s because most of his shots are coming from downtown. He profiles as a 120-ish range kind of guy. That plays in certain leagues, but 9-cat roto 12-team, probably not. Maybe more of a schedule stream level player, and that's okay. Denver beat Chicago. This was a game where, like, you look at Nikola Jokic and you're, and you're just like, okay, the game was just too easy for him today. He set it on easy mode. It's crazy how good that dude is. 8.6 boards, 14 assists, 3 steals, and a perfect 4 for 4 shooting. He didn't even have to try. He's just like, all right, you know what? I'm going to get all my guys' shots, and uh, they're going to beat you into the ground. And they did. Michael Porter Jr. had a great ball game. Jamal Murray was solid. Bruce Brown was very good. He's been better, by the way, mostly because Bones Highland has been out. Keep an eye on what happens there with Bruce Brown when Bones comes back. Let's just sort of put that in everybody's mind. Michael Porter Jr., by the way, inside the top 40 after this ballgame, so that's pretty cool. Uh, KCP, hang on there. Aaron Gordon, I guess you're hanging on there. I'm not a big Aaron Gordon fan, but he's been good enough this year. And on the Chicago side, uh, I mean, they just got clubbed. Everybody was pretty bad. Zach Levine was okay. That was sort of like the one dude who made it. Um, Patrick Williams, 15 points, had a steal in a couple blocks again, made his shots. Like, I wanted... The reality of Patrick Williams is that he's probably not going to do enough on a game-to-game basis. 
when Zach Levine is in. I think that, you know, the fact that he's been able to do okay, even with the team at full strength, gives me a lot of confidence in saying he's a great schedule stream level guy. Same kind of thing we just talked about on the other side uh, with who the hell were we talking about? Is that Bruce Brown? Oh, Malik Beasley, Bruce Brown, these types of guys that are going to be in that 115 to 140 range. Great. When the team has a great schedule, that's when you use them. Or you wait for these other opportunities. Like for Beasley, if, say, uh, Clarkson had to miss a game or if Markinen had to miss a game, I think at that point he becomes an obvious roto start. Bruce Brown is a roto start with Bones out right now. Um, Patrick Williams would be a roto start with Zach Levine out. And it goes on like that. These are the super streams. Like, the list is crazy these days. Uh, Warriors lost in Sacramento. Kings, thank goodness, because that was our biggest over bet uh, back in August. Remember when we did our season win total stuff? The Kings, after getting off to a raunchy start this year, they kind of got jobbed out of a few wins with some goofy calls at the end of ball games. But they're back to a nice break-even 6-6. Six and six, And frankly, they've played better than that. Um, well, they're an all-vibes team, man. They just got better. Having time to practice with each other, they made them better. Keegan Murray makes them better. Malik Monk made them better. Kevin Herter made them better. Not having Luke Walden at the helm made them so much better. Oof. De'Aaron Fox being in shape made them better also. But they're just like, again, era of good feelings going on there. I put a big lump of cash on the Kings to win. And when they got off to a slow start, I have to admit, my I puckered a little. Um... Not a whole lot to take away from this ballgame. Harrison Barnes, we've had him as a drop for a long time. I think Malik Monk, as a stream-level guy, probably makes sense. He's, uh, again, going to probably be in that 110 to 140 range this year, and that's okay. Uh, and Keegan Murray had a really big ball game, and this is the kind of stuff you're hoping for out of him. High-efficiency games where he's just doing stuff. Probably, at least temporarily, closes the buy-low window. He's back up to number 100 in 9-cat with, again, the sky's the limit there because... Like, his percentages are both lower than they will likely be when he begins to more so figure things out. Maybe you still get him for a 100-range guy? I doubt it, though. I doubt it. And finally, the Lakers won a ball game. They're now 3-10, and and they're only the fourth-worst team in the NBA. Huzzah! Huzzah. Uh, they did it without LeBron, though, so I guess that was something. Anthony Davis, 37-18. He's been fantastic so far this year. He's been healthier than expected, and he's number eight in nine cat. Uh, blocks and steals have come down a little bit for AD. Free throw has settled back into the high 70s instead of the 80s where he was for a little bit. But look, if AD can hang out in the middle of the first round and not be just completely destroyed injury-wise, then that ends up being a pretty big win. With no LeBron, Lonnie Walker is an easy start. Russell Westbrook is a start, even though I just cannot stand what he brings to the fantasy table. I don't trust Troy Brown Jr., as a super low usage guy, he's been good for them as a team. Same story, Austin Reeves. Like, he's always the best plus-minus player on that club every single night. But just from a fantasy standpoint, it's sort of not there. And then on the Brooklyn side, uh, no Seth Curry in this one. That's the guy we've been kind of keeping an eye on with Kyrie out. I think Kyrie's back within the week. We'll see. That's my guess. Um, so all of this stuff that we're looking at, it's like, oh, well, can Joe Harris? Nah. Can Seth Curry? I mean, it seems like Yes. But can he win Kyrie's back? Uh, remains to be seen. It's, it's a lot of jockeying on that uh, Brooklyn side from the fantasy standpoint. And I don't know if the reward is really going to be worth all of said jockeying when there's all these other guys that you can just throw on your team. 
that you don't have to jockey for. No, I got to admit, these ad reads are less fun without the graphic on the screen uh, on YouTube in front of me. But you know what? You're just going to have to deal with it. I need you guys. I need you. Nay. It's not, it's, again, it's not even, it's not a want anymore. It's not a suggestion. It's an I need you all to go flip your browser screen. It's an old man thing to say, right? You might not be on a browser screen. You might be on mobile right now. Because that's what the kids are doing these days. I need you to flip your mobile browser to thrivefantasy.com. I need you to do it. And I need you at the very least to open up a free account. You don't have to make that first deposit yet. I think you should, but you don't have to. And just nose around a little bit and see how exciting it is to be able to just pick prop bets to win money but you're not beholden to each one individually. That's what's nice about Thrive. Like, if you're on a sports book, and don't get me wrong, I love sports book gambling. That's another thing that I am into. You guys know that about me. I don't do a ton of it here on the pod outside of the NBA playoffs and then our season win totals series. But when you make a single prop bet on a sports book website, if it hits, you win. If it loses, you lose, obviously. You have all of your financial, whatever, tied up in one player's outcome. The nice thing about Thrive is they give you 20 choices and you pick 10. You don't have to hit all 10 to win. You have to be pretty good on a given night to win. Our DFS guys can help you with that. They'll tell you what the matchups look like. They'll tell you which stars are in a better situation than others, which high-volume players have better matchups on a given night than others. Our DFS team can do that for you. They'll put you in the driver's seat in your Thrive Fantasy lineups, and they put out Thrive props every single day over on that DFS side. They're great. Maybe you've got the knowledge built in yourself. Even better. But please, I'm begging. I need. This is what we need from you. At least go open up that free account so you can nose around a little bit. ThriveFantasy.com. Make sure you put the promo code ETHOS in there, because then if you like what you see and you make that first deposit, They'll match it up to 250 bucks. Do you have to do 250? No, that's the upper limit. You can do $25 for all I care. You can just dabble, straight dabble. Now, of course, if you end up liking it, then you're like, damn it, I should have done more because they're only matching that first deposit. But you know, maybe you can scrounge up 60 bucks on your first deposit. So they'll give you 60 as well. You don't have to do 250 to their 250. If you can, you should, because then you get, obviously, the most from them more free games, basically, that you're playing. And then go win some money. You only got to hit a quarter of your tries to break even because of the deposit match bonus. If you think you're better than a quarter of the time, you end up up at the end of going through your initial run. ThriveFantasy.com, promo code ETHOS. I need you to check that out today. Our reverse chronological run twists back to Saturday. Oh, what a delight. Brooklyn played on Saturday, too. And then they had L.A. Nightlife, and then the Lakers beat them. No surprise there. Uh, on the Clippers' side, no changes. That's cool. We can just gloss right by the Clippers. Make it easy. Every once in a while, we can have a team, but we just don't have to talk about them right now. Uh, already talk Jazz. Already talk Wizards. Toronto at Indiana. The Raptors are cut down to their prime right now, and it got worse today because Gary Trent Jr. hurt his hip in that game on Saturday. 
couldn't shoot, basically. And finally, they were just like, nah, dude, you're not well enough to go. And this, of course, is the plight of the Raptors. Nick Nurse is going to play his guys 36 to 40 minutes per ballgame, and they just won't make it. I am thrilled to tell you that this year, the Raptors don't have the highest minute per game totals in the NBA. Donovan Mitchell does, because I think they had a double overtime game. You're going to get some of these weird, like, early season outliers. KD, Kyrie on the Nets, not a huge surprise there. Luka, Harden, DeJounte Murray, Mikael Bridges. Freddie Van Vliet, he's number, uh, what is that, 10? Hey, that's doable. OG Ananobi's in there, not too far behind him. He's, like, number 15 or 20. Pascal Siakam is in there as well. So it's not quite as severe... But this is what happens with the Raptors. These guys just end up with stuff. But it's good for the goose, gander, that whole thing. If someone goes down, we have all these options of who can fill in. On Friday, you guys heard me. I was ready to give up on Chris Boucher, and then Precious Achua went down. And so Boucher became a hold, and now he's good again. And my favorite story of the entire weekend right now on this episode Thad Young, who we hoped the Raptors would give minutes to last year when they traded for him, but didn't, and is slowly working his way into more minutes. Now, he's not the, the like big basketball solution for them. They are obviously much, much better when Van Vliet and Siakam and Gary Trent are all healthy. These are starters we're talking about here. But if Thad is starting, you have to add and play him. His fantasy game is unbelievably friendly. He was low on the assist total in this particular ball game, but if he's actually going to start at center for that club, he's going to pile up rebounds, assists, and steals from a center spot with good field goal percent. He even knocks down a three every once in a while, didn't in this ball game. I love this thing. This might not last more than a game. I don't care. It's one of my favorite super streams of the year, and I simply can't believe that our old buddy Thad is back in fantasy good graces. Add and start... If we find out he's in the starting lineup again, which I have to believe he will be. Because like uh, Christian Coloco, I know he was dealing with something himself, but he's pretty much fallen off the map after that one big game and like six kind of slow ones. Boucher's back in there. Like they just, they don't have that many choices anymore. Otto Porter's body can't handle more than about 25 minutes of ball game, or I'd talk about him too. He just, it just won't help. It won't hold up. But that holds up. I love it. Jalen Smith was a little bit better for uh, on the Indiana side. I still, ugh, you know, I'm, I'm I've soured on him, and you know, there there comes a time in every fantasy analyst's life where he has to just like cut the ties on something. And he was a guy that I thought would have a really good shot, but Indy's playing better than expected, so they're going to go to guys who are playing winning basketball on a given night. And for Smith, that's been like forty percent of the time, which obviously is not enough. Isaiah Jackson, on the other hand, I got to stick with him. I can't part on that dude. Like, if Miles Turner gets traded, and now it's more of an if than a foregone conclusion, I still think he probably will be. But Jackson's upside is just nuts. If he goes from 20 minutes to high 20s or even 30 per ball game, you're talking about a top 50 guy. And there just aren't that many dudes that are one move away from top 50 production. Jalen Smith is not that guy. If he's having a bad ball game, he's losing time to... You name it, O'Shea Brissett, uh, Aaron Neesmith, 
Benedict Matherin, they'll just let him run a little bit bigger. Miles and Isaiah Jackson have played time together. It's not a given. Me saying he's a drop, maybe that was a little bit aggressive, but I don't know if anybody would pick him up right now. He's been terrible. Jalen Smith got off to a quick start, but like now he's 192. That's not even remotely close. And yes, this is me railing on a guy that I suggested people draft at a hundred and wherever the hell he was, right around a hundred. It's not working right now. Whatever. Boston sat a bunch of guys against Detroit. I wouldn't read too much into this, but now at least we know that if Horford and Jalen Brown are both out, uh, Grant Williams is set for a, a colossal ball game. Uh, Brogdon out as well. That had less of an impact on Grant Williams, a little bit more of an impact on Marcus Smart, who finally had a huge one. Hopefully that continues in some capacity. Uh, Derek White is streamer level, not super stream, regular schedule stream level. On the other side, Detroit, they're without Cade Cunningham for a couple more ball games, which means Killian Hayes is actually sliding into full super stream mode. There's another one on the list. Can you? I really like it's it's wild these days out there. The super streams are fast and furious. Atlanta, that's a team we don't have to talk about. Great. Uh, Anyiko Kongu did not play in this ball game. Okongu did not play, but uh, he hasn't really been startable. Anyway. Miami beat Charlotte 132-115. That also happened on Saturday. Max Strews continuing to stream like hell. Uh, this was once again for Tyler Hero. He's been great when either Butler or Hero has been out. Kyle Lowry continues to put up good numbers this year. Gabe Vincent had a nice ball game, but I, I, I just don't think there's quite enough there if he's not the guy who's passing the basketball. His value is tied up more in assists than scoring. You can't count on Gabe to score 20 points a game anyway. He's good. Again, I want to make that point. He's a good basketball player, but fantasy-wise, just not quite there. Um, Struess, on the other hand, there is enough there. He's quite close, even when that team is fully healthy. He was like 110, 115. So when one dude is out, especially if it's a big usage guy like Butler or Hero, then, I mean, it's a no-brainer. And to this point, Butler or Hero has basically been out <laughs> one of the two in almost every ball game. So Struess is number 71 in 9-cat. So he should be super streamed here until a further further notice. On the Charlotte side, LaMelo Ball came back over the weekend, which means you can drop Dennis Smith Jr. He didn't play either. Uh, kind of a weird little footnote on Charlotte is that P.J. Washington has completely fallen off the map after a quick start. Uh, big minutes, terrible percentages. I think you hold on there because it just it doesn't seem reasonable for him to shoot 42% all year. I know he's not like a, a dunk meister at the power forward center spot, uh, but that's a really low number. We knew he was going to be a bad percentages guy. Free throw percent generally isn't good. Field goal is like average to slightly sub-average for a big guy. Um, but this is, this is special level. Um, it's not like he's getting passed by anyone either because Jalen McDaniels, he's cooled off after a quick start. I think for now... You go Rozier, you go LaMelo Ball on that team. I don't think you go any farther than that at the moment. Maybe Kelly Oubre, who's bounced back after some horrendous shooting games. He's up to number 116, which is generally startable. 12-teamers, that's like right on the borderline. Uh, but I certainly wouldn't go any farther than that. Dallas, well, they need Big Luka to win, and they got Big Luka in that ball game. Uh Big Luca moved his way back up to number seven after he came pretty close to falling out of the first round prior to this one. 
Christian Wood came back, so whatever you were looking at there, you know, going to let that paper burn up into the sky. Portland side, Jeremy Grant has had a couple really good ball games, and he did this one with Damian Lillard, which, I mean, that's a pretty good sign. He's shooting 50% on the year, uh, which feels like it needs to come down, although his free throw percent is low, and that probably comes up. There was no Nurk. That's actually relevant here because it meant more shots for the wings. Because Drew Eubanks isn't going to take the Nurkic usage. He's a, the, I don't even think I can call him a super stream because uh, 33 minutes for Eubanks should generally be enough. He just kind of got cooked in this ballgame. He's right on the border. He's probably like a 100 to 110 range guy when Nurkic is out and just not at all exciting. So start if you need boards and field goal percent is kind of the rule there. Uh, and then no other real notes on on either team here. Houston in New Orleans, Jalen Green, he's played better after a terrible start. Now he's dealing with some some shoulder stuff. Jabari Smith Jr., he's done better last one or two ball games. That's good to see. I think you can still probably buy low on Smith in a way that I don't know that you can with Keegan Murray. Alperin Shengun fouled out in 19 minutes, so don't worry about that one. He'll be fine. K.J. Martin's another guy we've talked about on the Rockets as to keep an eye on. He's one roster move away. Like, if Jalen Green has to sit and they decide to start Martin, I might consider doing it too. Everybody's yelling about Tari Eason. I get it. He had huge numbers in the preseason. His fantasy game is actually pretty good because his steals are crazy high. He is not higher than a schedule stream right now. He's a guy that Dynasty and Keeper League folks are keeping an eye on. He's a guy that redraft folks, I think, are probably getting out in front of their skis a little bit. And then as far as the Pelicans go, all we really know about this team now is that when they're fully healthy, Zion's safe, Ingram's safe, McCollum is safe. It's not clear that JV or Herb are safe when the team's fully healthy because it actually looks like Larry Nance has jumped over Jonas Valanciunas in the who do we trust late in a competitive ball game pecking order because JV can't play defense when teams start pulling people out to the perimeter and Nance can. So in that whole battle, and like you're not going to drop Jonas Valanciunas uh, because you probably overspent for him on draft day, even though we yelled at you not to because his situation stinks this year, JV's more like a top 80 guy this season. And Nance, despite some like weird games blended in there, if you pull out the he got hurt game or the we don't know what his role games were at the beginning of the year, he's been like a 75 range dude. So Nance is a go for me. I think you can continue to start JV if you drafted him against my my anger, my ire. I said, don't do it, and you did it anyway. And then with Herb, I mean, you can probably bench him and see how this thing goes. He's generally been, lately at least, he, had, he was playing through some injury early. Lately, he's been good enough. This is a worse ball game. You're not dropping him. That's for damn sure. Uh, but in terms of like whether you start him Roto Games Cap, it's a little bit more of a 50-50 kind of thing. I'm hitting you with the double thrive fantasy request today. Bet you thought I was going to talk about Manscaped when, when I was flipping my box score folder over to Friday. Nope. Nope. I'm hitting you again with Thrive Fantasy. You're getting a double today, a double dose. Promo code is ethos. Go to thrivefantasy.com or I will literally hunt you down and I will grab your phone out of your hand and I will take you to Thrive Fantasy myself. But again, when you sign up, again, need you guys. Sign up for that free account. Use promo code ethos when you do it. So if you do decide to make that deposit, you get that bonus built in. Friday, 
There's always a couple of teams. And every every week I'm like, meh, I'll just figure it out when we get there. Uh, the teams on Friday that we haven't talked about yet, Phoenix, Orlando, San Antonio, and Milwaukee. And that's it. So four more, and a couple of those are fast ones. Phoenix, campaign super stream until Chris Paul gets back. Boom. Done with Phoenix. Orlando's a little bit more interesting. Paolo's been out. Uh, he's questionable for the next ball game with an ankle sprain. I don't really know what to make of that. We did see good Chuma Okiki, though, as a possible super stream. And typically, if he plays 30 minutes, you're looking at more than two defensive stats. So I would consider Chuma as a stream if Paolo has to miss another ball game. Jalen Suggs just... I know I'm out on an island with this one, but he just doesn't do it for me. Field goal percent not high enough, free throw percent not high enough. The steals are good, the assists are decent, the scoring's okay, but he doesn't shoot the three ball. You know, the rebounding is meh, and it's not going to be great for him he, on a team that has Wendell Carter Jr. and Bull Bull out there and Paolo sometimes and, and Wagner and Bamba, who, by the way, we're hoping might have been a pickup. He's not. He didn't get 20 minutes in this ballgame, despite actually playing relatively well. So that kind of tells you that he hasn't gotten to where he needs to get he's doing more but 18 and a half minutes is not enough for him so i don't think you have to worry about bomba i don't think you have to worry about Suggs in nine cat points leagues hell yeah but nine cat it's just like he's decent in three and he's bad in at least three that's that's not a good combo it needs to counterweight a little bit better i'd rather go okiki oddly enough as as a paolo fill-in and you might be able to get something for Suggs because it's it, his stat lines are buzzier than they are nine category successful. And maybe that's the path there is see if somebody else is like, oh, this guy's about to break out. I just don't I don't feel it from a nine cat side, especially with someone like Markel Fultz one to two weeks away or whatever that happens to be. Milwaukee was without their entire team again. That was the second game in a row. And if that continues, you start Javon Carter. He's the pick up and go guy. And then everybody else, you're like, all right, well, Portis, Brooke Lopez, those guys are already rostered. You're not doing the Beauchamp thing. You're not most likely not doing the Jordan Wara thing. Uh, it's Javon. And then as San Antonio goes in a five-game week coming up, someone's going to get a rest day in there. Pop's not going to play these dudes all five games, uh, particularly on a team that's now going to try to make sure that they, they drop a couple because the Spurs have been better than they should have been so far. They're six and seven they simply can't go like 4-1 and one in a five-game week, and they might accidentally do it if they played their guy. So expect Keldon to get a day off. Expect Vassell to get a day off. Expect uh, Pirtle to get a day off in there. Charles Bassey may or may not get a day off in there. He's been unbelievably efficient and is a very popular five-game week pickup, and I condone it. I don't know about Roto, because 18 minutes a game is hard, uh, but his rebounding and his block rate have been so crazy and probably not sustainable. Bet. But again, in five games, that doesn't matter. Roto Games Cap. Look, if we find out that Pirtle's resting and Bassey's going to start, then hell yeah, you go all in on that. But 18-minute backup job is hard to say definitively this guy's going to be top 100 or better on a given night. So far, he has been, but that doesn't mean that he will be in the next game or two. Hopefully, guys, that hopefully that made sense in the way that I rolled it out. And that is your reverse chronological lightning Monday. 
Dunzo. We will continue our discussion over on Twitter. We'll check out what we're watching for on Monday night over on Twitter. We'll do a bunch of uh, super stream stuff over on social media. And big news on the premium front. For any of you guys that have the Fantasy Pass or any of the bundles that contain the Fantasy Pass, we are moving the pro question and answer back into our premium Discord. So if you have any of our premium plans, hit me on Twitter at Dan Bespris or email roster at sportsethos.com. Get your Discord join code and get in there. It's just a fancy name for a chat room. Do not be worried by the word Discord. We are not sowing Discord. It's just a name. It's a chat room. That's it. Get in there. Hang out with our pros. Get what you know. We post in there when articles go up, things like that. Uh, come join us. And that's for any premium stuff. You know, the DFS folks, they have a Discord room. The, the Fantasy Pass guys have one. The Wager Pass guys have one. Uh, and then, obviously, all of the bundles and so forth. So hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Vespers, or email roster at sportsethos.com. And go sign up. Get a free account with promo code ethos at thrivefantasy.com. Third time I hit you with it today. Have a great Monday, everybody. Tomorrow's show, I promise, will be a little bit shorter. By how much? I don't know. But a little bit. So long.